Think Vertical fans, this is May the 21st, 2020, and we're all vertical. We have a special guest today. His name is Deacon. He is a famous author, an author of many books, and I call him the guru of optimism. So we're going, during these tough times, I think we're all in the mood for a little optimism. Thank you for talking to us today, James. It's a pleasure, Marcia. Thank you. All right. I consider you to be the guru of optimism, as I stated before. How many books have you published about optimism? Actually, four books. Four books on optimism. And, and what's interesting, Marcia, is, you know, thank you for the compliment for guru. But once again, to me, optimism is about continual growth. So I'm learning something hopefully every day to get better and better and it, it increase my knowledge of optimism. Tell us the titles of the books you've written. Well, the first book I did was called The Power of the Creed. And I'll tell you a quick story. And this happened right here on the island. I went to an optimist meeting back in 1984. And at the end of the meeting, they all read from this banner. And it's something captivated me, but I'm going to read it to you real quick. This was on the banner and it was promise yourself to be so strong that nothing could disturb your peace of mind to talk health, happiness and prosperity to every person you meet, to make all your friends feel that there is something in them, to look at the sunny side of everything and make your optimism come true, to think of only the best, to work only for the best and to expect only the best, to be just as enthusiastic about success of others as you are about your own, to forget the mistakes of the past and press on to greater achievements of the future, to wear a cheerful countenance at all times and give every living creature you meet a smile, to give so much time to the improvement of yourself that you have no time to criticize others, to be too large for worry, too noble for anger, too strong for fear, and too happy to permit the presence of trouble. And Marcia, I was impressed with that. I asked who wrote that, and nobody knew. So I did some research and found out that it was Christian Larson in one of his books called Your Forces and How to Use Them, and he wrote that book in 1911. Hmm. So I was very fortunate to have obtained a copy of that book, and I keep it on my bookshelf, but it means an awful lot to me. Wow, what a story. How many years have you spent in Optimism, Optimist International? And you became a leader of that organization. What posts you did know, you achieve? Well, I appreciate that, Marcia. It's a great organization. I do not work for Optimist International. It is a volunteer organization. They do have an infrastructure. But basically, it's more of a ground roots program. So I was president of the local camp here, a local club. And then I became a lieutenant governor and then eventually became the governor for South Texas. So I had over 2,000 optimists, and it was a wonderful opportunity uh, throughout Texas. We'd open up new clubs. Uh, I had a chance to speak at the Capitol there in Austin, which was a, a dream of mine. Uh, so it's, it's just a wonderful opportunity. The whole purpose of Optimist is to be a friend of youth, to mentor youth. And so we do oratorical contests. I designed a program called uh, Bullying No More. So it's an anti-bullying program. 
but they do sporting contests. They do their uh, junior world of golf. So it really is a wonderful organization. And I've had a chance to be part of that for over 25 years. That's a great track record. I've internalized your seven point checklist for optimistic behavior. They appear in chapter five of your book, The Optimistic Optimist Manifesto. For this crisis, I have doubled down and added attitude of gratitude each morning with my prayers. I'm going to share these with our audience. They are, is the behavior that I'm expressing positive? Does everyone benefit from my behavior? Will the outcome from my behavior be positive? Does the consequence of the act promote optimism? What are the lasting effects from this behavior? What is my personal feeling about the event? Is there a teachable lesson that will result from my behavior? Tell us how this checklist can apply to folks looking to change direction during this crisis. Well, Marcia, that's a great question. And I'm glad that you like it. We call it the seven-point checklist for optimistic behavior. Well, what happens is that whenever we're facing negativity or we're facing challenges, I always tell people it's all based on perception. Because think about it, it's not what's happening on the outside, it's how you're processing what's happening on the outside. And I have a philosophy I live by that's part of optimism, and it's this, that the worst thing that ever happened to you could very well be the best thing that ever happened to you because it strengthens you, it opens your mind up to new opportunities. So to answer your question, uh, in situations like this, what you have to do is you have to stop. And I call it a self-awareness. You have to realize what is going on. And right now with this coronavirus, it is a crisis for many people, unfortunately, because of how they're processing that. Instead of looking at it as an opportunity for growth, new opportunities. They look at it as, as a way to, to basically shut down their lives, their livelihood, their businesses. You see? So we have to change how we view that. So I call it awareness. Next part of optimism is ownership. You have to take ownership of what's going on in your life. And when you take ownership, that gives you a sense of empowerment, which is another aspect of optimism. From Empowerment comes poise, Marcia. Poise is that certain elegance you have. Personal style is being yourself, but being yourself on purpose. Also, part of this situation requires imagination. What is imagination? It's a conscious idea or mental image never wholly perceived in your reality. So in other words, I've got to think outside of my normal course of thinking. Then you have the ability, once you do that, to visualize. See, imagination is thinking of something that wasn't. Visualization is seeing yourself in that position, accomplishing your goals. And that is the most overlooked aspect of optimism. It's the ability to foresee and know that it's real. It's based on positive expectancy. Next is execution. When you have optimism, you have the poise, you have the drive, the confidence, you will execute what it is you're looking for. And then the next part is fulfillment. Fulfillment is reflecting on the accomplishment. And what that does, that once again gives you a sense of confidence that gives you poise once again to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Now, Marsha, before I forget to tell you this, because this is fundamental. 
The unique part about optimism, it gives you two dimensions. The first dimension is positive expectancy. Just like I said earlier, I expect to win. Whatever I do, I expect it to be a positive experience. Now, do we always get that in our lives? No. Do we always win? Of course not. That's why the next dimension of optimism is so important because it gives you the opportunity to interpret it in a positive way. So once again, I may be going through some challenges now, but because I interpret it in a positive way, I grow in every situation. What about the process of seeking new opportunities? I've told you this story. The man who owned Texas Tail Distillery here is a vodka distillery, didn't have to be asked to change direction when COVID hit. He immediately started producing some fabulous great hand sanitizer. I got bottles all over my house. I heard yesterday on the news that Honeywell retooled and produced millions of N95 masks. I'm the daughter of a black man who saw a lynching when he was a young man. But he, instead of giving up, he focused on the success of a local dentist. By the time my father passed away, he was the first black commissioner on the board of dental examiners in Indiana and the first black president of the National Academy of General Dentistry. How can optimism get our country back to that kind of innovative thinking in the face of a crisis? You know what, that's a, a tremendous question. And once again, uh, congratulations on have such a great father. He's provided a roadmap for you and and of course, Marcia, you're probably the most modest person I know, but you have got quite a list of accomplishments yourself. So uh, you've, you basically have used your father as a mentor. Uh, and I know he'd be very proud of you today, Marcia. There's no doubt about that. Thank you. <laughs> but what you're talking about, in essence, really is an industry would call it repurposing. And just like the gentleman did here in Galveston, where he took his, uh, his distillery and turned it into uh, hand sanitizer, we as individuals need to think like that. How can I repurpose myself? Because one of the things I feel very strongly about is that every human being that's ever walked this earth has been designed with a specific purpose in mind, talents, abilities that is unique to them. And they have a propensity to carry that out. So there are situations where we need to stop and once again, become aware that there's a change that's needed. And we have to repurpose our own lives. We have to ask ourselves, you know, what can I do to benefit society? What is it that I love that I can make money doing? And then once you sit down and you contemplate, you deliberate, it'll, your mind will be opened up and you'll see it. And as I mentioned earlier, that's where the imagination comes in. Where, where are the opportunities right now? They are abundant. Uh, right now in our industry, and I'm in the financial service industry, we are awakening agents to use new technology like Zoom. I designed a financial education program that they can educate their clients on. So they stay in front of them. They're able to do cross-selling. And because of that, they're able to create a referral-based practice where they no longer need to go out and find new people. The people that are already working with them are giving them referrals and, and working with them. And that same type of I don't, uh, creativity can exist in every industry in America. So once again, whenever we face a crisis, we need to, we need to realize that we need to have reserves. 
We need to have reserves, not only in physical nutrition, but we need to have reservoirs of people and phone numbers and have that contact so we can operate regardless of what's going on. And you and I have both been through a number of hurricanes. So you and I are prepared for that. We have water. We have the bathtub filled up, right? So we can flush our toilets. Right. And, and we also have um, enough food and we have the radio and we have the flashlights. The same applies in this situation. We need to always be prepared for the next coronavirus or the next tragedy that could happen. We don't look forward to it, but we simply have an awareness that it could happen and we are prepared, which gives us, once again, poise and confidence to carry on our daily mission. So how do you sell yourself? I mean, you can reinvent yourself and come up with a bright idea. You know, I, I was doing this for a living or that for a living and COVID kind of, you know, killed my industry. But you're a good salesperson. You're a top-notch salesperson. How do you sell yourself once you've got the new you? Well, you know, that's a great question. And one of the things that I always love to do, and in fact, if you read my book, it's called The Optimistic Manifesto. It is on Amazon. It is an ebook. It's very inexpensive. And I can promise you there is just a wealth of information in there. And as I mentioned earlier in the broadcast, Christian Larson has been my mentor. Um, the book I wrote was called The Power of the Creed. And he was the one who wrote the creed. But I went back and I read a number of his books and I was able to write this book as though he was expressing what he meant when he said to be so strong that nothing could disturb your peace of mind. So that was unique. Um, but to answer your question specifically, I use an acronym and the acronym is really it's called IDEA. IDEA. And I love this because I use this in different marketing initiatives that I'm involved in. The first I stands for identify. So what you want to do is identify opportunities. Where is the next, uh, the next phase or where is the puck going, as they say sometimes? So number one, identify. Where are you and where is your market going and what can you do to be part of that? The D in this case is going to be design. You need to design a strategy, a personal strategy in this case. In a lot of cases, it's building a, a marketing plan for your company, uh, which starts off with a mission statement, having your own personal mission statement and designing your own marketing plan. Then you have an E for evaluate. How am I doing? What are we doing to be successful? And if it's not, if you're in your situation, you had a great idea. You designed a wonderful plan, but unfortunately, due to circumstances, you've been derailed. So what you need to do is incorporate A in idea for adjust. You need to adjust your marketing plan. What can you do to maintain it? But you're going to have to alter the means in which you do it. Hmm. And then the S stands for success. Everybody wants success, Marsha, but very few people know where it comes from. Everybody wants to be successful but they don't realize that success comes from your actions and your behavior. And so the question I ask people, and that is what determines your action and behavior? And that is the way you think. And then next logical question is what determines how you think and it's ideas. And that's what you're doing today. You are stimulating other people with ideas that will change how they think about life and how they think about this tragedy going on which changes their behavior, which in turn 
ushers in optimism and success. And that's what everybody wants. James, I'm going to thank you for talking. This is the longest podcast I've ever done. And there's a reason for that. Uh, This podcast is called Staying Vertical. And it's along with my blog. And as people who know me know, I'm a rebel. And I'm rebelling against negative media pressure. (laughs) I'm totally rebelling against everybody who says we can't make it. And we can't get through this. So from this point forward, all my interviews are going to be about folks who are making it and are fighting back and are rebelling against all the negativity and are optimistic about the future. So I want to thank you so much for uh, taking your time today and sharing optimism with us because that's mm-hmm. going to be our, our mantra going, for, going forward. I love it, Marcia. Thank you. And I like to leave on a words from Ralph Waldo Emerson, who is one of my favorite writers. He said, the sign of mental health is to see good in everything. And that's what optimism does. That is a good quote. And we're going to leave it with that. Thank you so much, folks, for listening. And we will check you next time on Staying Vertical with Marcia Wilson Rappaport. <laughs>